What if the greatest good in your life actually started at the point of your deepest pain? What if together your life's hardships, along with redemptive hope in Jesus, do something for us that a problem-free life never could? That's the power of hope for life's hardest fights. All right. Well, you guys are in for a treat this morning. And uh, I'm telling you, Pastor Ben Wendell is joining us this morning uh, from Australia. He has an accent almost as cool as mine. Almost, we're arguing about it. But uh, Ben Wendell uh, has actually, he, he grew up in Australia, was here for a short period of time, moved back to Australia, planted an amazing church in Brisbane, uh, Australia, on the Gold Coast uh, 14 or so years ago. And uh, that's the place, by the way, where all of us want to live, and he actually got to live, which only tells us that there's less sin in his life than there is in ours. And God favored him more, but uh, we're glad that he is with us this morning. And I think he has a message for not just us, of a, those of us in the room this morning. I think he has a message for our culture right now. And, and uh, you're going to be so incredibly blessed by what you hear this morning. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to put your hands together. And would you welcome my friend, Pastor Ben Wendell, as he comes to give her the word. Well, good morning. I have so been looking forward to meeting you because I've been friends with your pastors for so long that, as our friend just reminded us, I had thick curly hair. That's how long it's been. It's been some time. I'd love to also welcome our mutual friend of ours, Rangie Thomas. And I mean, today I'm bringing a message to you out of a book that I've written. That book wouldn't exist if it weren't for that man. So it's so nice to have you here as well. What a joy to, uh, to be with you. You're a part of my extended church family because again, uh, our friendship is, uh, well, we've just journeyed together through, through so many years. And uh, we lived in, in Portland for, for a number of years. In fact, my oldest son, Houston, was born here in uh, Clackamas Hospital. And I still remember the day walking out of the hospital here with a newborn baby. My wife, Cindy, and I were in our 20s. And for those of you that are parents, isn't it just a massive change? Like you kind of go from just living your life, going to the movies, we soon forgot what that was like, and then it's like, you're responsible for another human being. And there's no instruction manual. I remember walking out of the hospital, we have this little guy, and, and we drive home. And I'll never forget, as I'm driving, I glance in the rear vision mirror and it just catches my eye. We now have a son. We're not alone anymore as a, as a couple. And what surprised me is I had this sudden mix of emotions. On one hand, I had just such joy and happiness that, thank you, God, we have a son. How awesome. But what surprised me was this other emotion that appeared of fear and anxiety. What kind of world will this little guy, little mittens on his hands, what world will he be raised in? And God, would you keep my son safe? 
We know that right now there is a increasingly complex world that we're living in. Cultural uprising, upheaval, division. Will AI take our jobs? Maybe there'll be a robot preaching here in an Australian accent. Not in an American Irish accent. In an, I mean, if you get to choose, right? You're, you're, you're selecting Australian. The world is changing at a rapid rate. We've relocated from Australia. My kids are going through shooting drills in their school. It's weird. It's confronting. And we right now are living in a unique moment and this message speaks to the cultural moment we're in. For example, the CDC recently revealed that 57% of teenage girls feel persistently sad or hopeless. Not occasionally, but persistently. Over half of our teenage girls are saying, I persistently just feel a sense of hopelessness in my life. There are some dark clouds that have appeared on the horizon of our world. And if there was ever a time where we desperately need the transcendence that comes through the hope of Jesus, it's now and it's today. And I believe today, God wants to do a work in in all of our hearts. I've been married now for 20 years. We have three awesome sons. And I dearly wish that I could sit down with my three sons and say, hey, got some great news for you. Your father has developed a way that I can protect you from any pain that's gonna come your way. That's the Father's heart, right? I wish I could do that. I have figured out a way I can protect you from every storm, every adversity, every challenge. I wish I could say that to my children. I wish I could say that to you. I wish I could say that to myself. But what if there was something different and perhaps better than just immunity from pain or avoidance of pain? What if hope could speak into the midst of our lived experience and bring about a turn towards God that could be so transformative, it would fundamentally change the way we approach every single challenge in our life? And I studied Scripture with one question in mind. I want to put this question in front of you for you to give some consideration to yourself. And the question is this, how does God show up in life's hardest fights? How does God show up in the hardest fights of our life? We're going to go on a discovery together, but can I just give you a little hint because this helps set an emotional posture for what we're going to talk about with hope. This is for every single person in this place. With hope, our storyline always curves toward a redemptive purpose. Always. No matter what your challenge is, with hope, 
there is always a curving of our storyline towards a redemptive purpose. Nobody embodies this kind of hope, a hope that thrives when life hurts the most than a character in the Bible called Job. And I want to read from this book in Scripture. Uh, It's become a really, for me, a very fascinating and captivating narrative. We'll start in chapter 1 and verse 1, and it, and it, it reads, there was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God, stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. Now, just a quick retelling of this man's life. Job was a very successful individual. And the story kind of picks up at his life when he's at the peak. He's, he's at the pinnacle of his life. He has a great family, 10 children. He's happily married. His business is truly booming. He's influential. He has all of the things that we would look to and say, success, happiness, fulfillment. And then a perfect storm arrives unannounced. It doesn't send a calendar invite. It arrives with no invitation and it trespasses into this man's life and brings about a sudden devastation. Now, in one day, there are four different messengers that come to Job with what is essentially bad news. The first three come and talk about business dealings, loss, loss of staff members, and really for his, for his life, for all intents and purposes, financially, business-wide, it, it, it would be like if you lost everything in a day. And so for Job, it's like, how do I rebuild now? Everything is gone. Everything I've worked for. All of my earthly success is gone. So you're reading his life and you're like, this is a shocking day. How do you rebuild when you lose everything? I don't know about you, but if you ever get a phone call, And the person calling you says this, hey, you probably want to sit down for this. They're the phone calls that take your breath away. And a fourth messenger arrives. Job. Something so unspeakable has happened, so shocking. I don't even know how to put it into words. But all 10 of your children are dead, all ten. And in a moment, Job's life collapses. His physical health deteriorates. He has lost everything in a day. It's hard to even comprehend the emotions of what this man went through. I can speak for myself and I would say this, when it comes to receiving bad news, if it's a tax debt, a business dealing, a, even a personal sickness, I'm kind of like, I, it's going to be hard, but I thank God I can get through this. But when you get that kind of phone call, you better sit down for this. Isn't there something just from a gut level place of who you are? God, let my wife be okay. Let my children be okay. I think I can deal with anything else, but God, preserve my family. Job, lost it all 
in a day. His house is now quiet. There's no more laughter around the dinner table with his children. There's, there's no sound of little footsteps. And it's from there. That place, that moment, that Job describes his life as a tree. Now just take a moment and breathe. I know it's a heavy story that we've taken in. But let me say this. If hope can do a work there when all seems lost, how much more can God's hope do a work in your life? Job says these words in the 14th chapter. He says, for there is hope for a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again and that its shoots will not cease. Though its root grow old in the earth and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. Now just capture the emotion of what he's saying. He's saying, my life was like a tree and it was flourishing and there was growth and fruit and life came along and brutally cut that tree down until it was as if it were a stump in the dirt for all intents and purposes dead, gone, in the past, the kind of stump you would walk past and not see any future, any life, any hope. Job says, that was my life, a stump in the dirt. And he makes this dramatic claim that even at the scent, the scent of water, new life can enter into that stump and it can bud and flourish again. Job knew a secret that even when all appeared lost to all external circumstances, for all intents and purposes, there's no future, there's no life, there's no way out. Job knew that even when all appeared lost, that there was a turn of hope that was available. And that turn could bring about new life from things that looked dead. That phrase, the scent of water for me, has crystallised into an idea. It's come to represent something to me. And it's this, that our greatest challenges are linked to our greatest growth. That's right. God uses the greatest challenges in our life to bring about our greatest growth. Maybe you're sitting in this room and you're in the midst right now of some circumstances that you would say, I need some of what you're talking about. I want to let you know that the redemptive hand of God can reach into every life, every home and every situation to begin a turn of the human heart towards God's potential and God's purposes. Come on, isn't that an awesome thing? 
Now, I want to put something up on the screen for you. This is a little moment of interaction. Could you do me a favor and take your phone out? I need you to do something for me. Uh, I'm not going to, there's no cell phone number. There's no email address that you need to use. I just need you to scan something for me. Let's make a deal. Uh, no Instagram, no Candy Crush. I know that's some of, some of your favorite games. But could you do me a favor and scan this QR code? It's going to ask you just two, just, just, just one simple question. What word for you describes an imperfection or a problem in your life right now? I mean, it could be something like sickness or anxiety or, 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 or depression or a relationship or family. You may have 26 different needs or problems, but, but just pick one or two and just put a word, just write a word that captures a stress point that right now you are navigating. I have learned something as a pastor for over 20 years, and it's this. You never know the challenges and needs that are represented in a room full of people. We all walk into church, we sing songs and we pray, but underneath that we carry with us our burdens and our challenges and our needs. And you can begin to see some of the words populating here. This here is the lived human experience of what we're going through right now just in this room. And you can see people are saying, I'm facing anxiety and loss and challenges in my finances, exhaustion. I mean, these are moving quickly because there are so many needs within this. There's grief, there's exhaustion. I need job security. I wonder what words... Job would write. Just for a moment, consider this. I think we all get where God is in laughter and in good times. But where is God in this? How does our faith interact with this? Because it's one thing to have a faith that can interact with sunshine and baby showers. But how does God want to interact with us in the midst of the imperfections and challenges that we carry with us through our daily experience. Where is God in this? I know I would add a couple of words of my own. One of the words would be grief. One of the words would be transition. It was only a few years ago that I got one of those kinds of phone calls from my older brother and we're just 18 months apart and raised super close. Grew up without cell phones. That was a good era in the 80s. Remember the first Atari game? We competed over that. We would compete over everything. You name it, table tennis, how much cereal we could eat in the mornings. <laughs> and um, I got one of those calls. Hey, you, I got some bad news. And he informed me that he had an incurable cancer and I know he went on to say other things, but I had fallen to the, to the, to the ground. I, I couldn't stand it. It was just, 
devastating news for me to hear. It's devastating for me to even, even though I've written about it, I talk about it, it's, frankly, it's devastating to even talk about it right now. And I'm saying that to tell you that I, I know what it feels like to ask questions like, where is God in this? And where is hope now? And if you think that for you to be happy, let me throw this word cloud up again for you. If, if you think for you to truly experience joy and peace and fulfillment in life, that in order for you to have that, all of these need to be erased from the canvas of your life. Like when that day arrives, if I can solve this problem, get out of this mess, see God bring about this change in my circumstance, if I can erase some of these words, clean up the canvas of my life and remove the problems, then I will experience peace, joy and happiness. We know this, but I'll put it into words. We'll be waiting forever. We need to have a faith that speaks to this. We need to know what hope can do in the midst of imperfections and challenges, not just at the end of the story, but right now with what we are all collectively carrying and navigating in this room. To God, these are not just words on a screen. I want you to know that God sees you and God cares and God loves you. And God's hope is available to you. And there is a spiritual power in hope. Now, I think that we should all be, if we can, optimistic. Optimism is better than pessimism. And it's good for your brain. It's better to wake up in the morning and think, good things are going to happen. And not like wake up in the morning like it's going to be a bad day. So choose optimism if you can. But hope is not optimism. Optimism is a tool that you can use to help you. But hope is a spiritual dynamic where God does things in your life beyond your ability to even comprehend. It's the work of God within the human soul and within the human spirit. That's the power of hope. And I believe with all of my heart that the redemptive power of God is actively at work in every single one of those words, in every single one of your needs, challenge and circumstances to bring about a turn towards your growth, your destiny and your God-given purpose. That's a powerful thing. In fact, I went to the Bible to explore what did God do in the midst of these kinds of situations? Like, what did God do when the odds were stacked against people? What did God do when people were filled with anxiety or crippled with fear or went through loss or found themselves just trapped in a circumstance that they couldn't escape? What I found was so inspiring and amazing to me because it says something about the nature of God to show up in our lives. And here's what I discovered. God specializes. He specializes in hard situations. God is most active in your life. He's most powerful. He's most at work when you're going through storms and 
adversity. And that's what we see in Scripture, right? What do we see? God lifting people out of pits. God at work in the midst of storms or dry valleys or shipwrecks or beatings, even graves. God at work. God specialises. That's his specialty. In what? Not in easy situations. God specialises in the hardest of situations. And so with whatever you're navigating right now, I want you to know God is at work redeeming, repurposing, reaching into your life and bringing about hope. God specialises in hard situations. I'll put it another way. Hope is not God's side hustle. It's not what he does when his nine to five day job is over. He's not working on hope in his parents' basement after hours. Hope is the primary nature of God toward us. Faith, hope, and love. It's at the very core of who God is, God's hope. And he's actively at work in every single one of our lives. It's no wonder Job declared, my Redeemer lives. Do you know what else Job said? He said, God can do all things and God is unstoppable. What it means is this, when you're going through the fight of your life, the harder the fight is, the harder God is fighting for you. Came across a little anecdote and a story that helps capture this for me. And at the least, it's a really interesting story. Do you know, let me ask this question, what the best-selling instrumental album is of all time? Well, there's a man by the name of Keith Jarrett. And it's 1975. He's driving late at night from Switzerland to the Cologne Opera House in Germany. He arrives late, he has back pain, and he has specifically requested of the Opera House for their staff to arrange a Bosendorfer 290 Imperial Grand Concert piano for his performance. When he arrives, unfortunately, the staff have put out the wrong piano on the stage. It's a smaller piano. Some of the pedals get stuck. Some of the keys are broken and it's terribly out of tune. I want to continue reading this story from my book here. And it continues, naturally, Jarrett did not want to proceed with the concert. But in a last minute risk, he decided to step out in front of 1,400 people and play for over an hour on a broken piano. Jarrett improvised. He changed the composition of the notes to compensate for the broken keys and the thin bass register. He produced an entirely new sound, something unique, emotive, unpredictable. The mix of his improvised and unorthodox playing combined with the peculiar sound of the flawed piano produced something of beauty. Now, common sense would, would suggest this, that the best-selling instrumental album of all time was recorded in the most expensive studio, acoustically treated, with the best technology, 
the best microphones, and yet it's the Köln concert that has gone on to sell more than four million copies. Isn't it interesting that this masterpiece is successful not because of its perfection, but because of the beauty that can only come from a flawed instrument. And that's really the whole point, isn't it? That our lives are broken pianos, but God can bring about the most beautiful songs from broken instruments. Now, I want you to think about these three things because we see this in the life of Job. He did these three things, three practices in terms of hope, and I think we can all do these. I'll go through them quickly for you. Number one, we need to harness every hardship to be rocket fuel for our growth, to harness the hardships that are existing right now in our life. Secondly, we need to have an expectation. This is what hope is, to expect the tide to turn. It's an expectation that God's gonna turn something in our life. And number three, we need to decouple hope from outcomes and lean into God's love and God's nature regardless of what's happening in our circumstances. Why is that? Because I can say this about my own journey. I have not received every outcome I wished for in my life. With my brother, we went on that journey for years and he was young and had a wife and, and had young kids and cancer came like a thief in the night and, and, and we prayed and he died. And you would say, well, that's not the most hope-filled sermon I've ever heard. If we don't have a hope that works, when we don't get the ending that we want. It's not true biblical hope. I'm presenting to you today a version of hope that is most potent when you don't get the ending that you want. Hope that turns up there in that moment like it did for Job. And in the last, this is not ancient history for me. I lost my brother recently, just in the last 12 months. I lost two grandparents. I just went through so much loss, I felt like I fell into a dark hole and didn't know how to get out. And maybe even that line resonates with some people. You're like, yeah, I don't know how to get out. I don't know how to move forward from where I'm at in my life. Maybe you haven't received the ending that you want or you have challenging circumstances. I'm inspired by the line of C.S. Lewis where he says this, God whispers in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain and in our hardest moments. And even when our canvas is covered with imperfections of daily struggles, the hope of God is shouting at us, letting us know that He cares and He knows, and He sees us right there. I want you to ask some questions of yourself today. 
Maybe you're asking questions like, how can the tide-turning power of hope show up in my life? Well, I want all of us to do one thing today, and it's this. I want you to open your heart to the turn of hope that only Jesus can bring. Open your heart to that turn. Because in the concert of life, none of us receive studio conditions. We all get a broken piano. Some of the keys are stuck. It feels a little out of tune. None of us get the Bosendorfer 290 Imperial Grand Concert. But I'm here to declare to your heart today that God brings about the most beautiful songs from broken pianos and flawed instruments. You still have a song that the world needs to hear. If you have hope, God makes His best masterpieces from flawed instruments. And God wants to reach into your deepest pain and turn it towards His greatest good. That's why Matthew 12 says this, and His name will be the hope of all the world. The name of Jesus will be the hope of all the world. And I wanna speak that name over your life, over your mental health, over your marriage, over your finances. There is a name that is our hope. And for everything that the enemy has tried to steal, kill and destroy from your life, there is a name and it's a name that we can put our hope in. It's the name of Jesus. And think about this. That's why Job says this, you don't need an ocean. You don't need a bucket. You don't need a half-sized water bottle. You don't even need a single drop. Hope is so powerful. All you need is a scent of water for God's hope to enter into your soul and enter into your spirit and start to bring about a turn where you say, I feel like something new is growing in an area that I thought was dead and buried and a stump in the ground, but God brought about a turn towards His redemptive purpose. That's hope. In other words, even the most insignificant portion and measure of hope is so powerful if you would just but open the smallest part of your heart to say, maybe, just maybe, God could do something here in this part of who I am as a person, in this circumstance, and watch what God can do in your life. That's the turn of hope and it's available to every single one of us in your challenges, in your adversity, in your storms, in your fears, in the depths of your biggest failings in life, we go like, this piano is broken. My whole life feels out of tune. But if you would summon the confidence 
that you can only get from God to say, I'm going to play again. God is going to compose something with your life and in that area that brings about such beauty, you will simply be able to just point up and say, if it weren't for God, there is no way that this could have happened in my life. Even if all of life feels like a broken piano to you, remember, God brings about His most beautiful songs from flawed instruments and stumps can flourish back to life with even the smallest measure of the hope that we get in Jesus. I wanna pray for you in this moment. Would you take a moment and just bow your head and close your eyes. I wanna pray for you to receive God's hope. Before I pray a general prayer for every person in this room, I would like to make space for people that are in this place that would say, I feel like I need to make a more fundamental step in my heart and in my life journey to open up my heart to the hope that's found in Jesus. Maybe you've never made a decision to really make Jesus Lord and Saviour of your life. Maybe you need to rededicate your heart. You'd say, Ben, I'm lost. I've wandered off track. I need to come home to the love of Jesus. I need His saving grace. I wanna pray for people just like that in this room this morning. So I'm not gonna have you stand. I'm not gonna have you move. But just while every head is bowed, every eye is closed as a moment of response, if that's you and you're saying, I need Jesus, I need His saving grace, I need His saving power, would you quickly raise your hand? I wanna pray for you just right where you are this morning. And God bless you for all the hands raised. Lord, I thank you for the lives that these hands represent, for the homes, for the families, for the circumstances. And Lord, I thank You for Your tide-turning power of hope in their life. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your forgiveness. We thank You for new beginnings and fresh starts. And Lord, I pray for people that are saying, I need Jesus as my Lord and as my Saviour, that salvation would visit these lives today in the most powerful, transformative way. In this room, for every person that's saying, I need hope, I'm praying for you right now. If you're saying, I've got challenges, I've got adversity, I'm going through a storm. Where is God in the midst of all of this? I wanna let you know the tide-turning power of hope is at work. And God, I pray for every person that's saying, I've got a challenge, I've got a difficulty, I'm navigating some pain. Lord, right now we look to You as our source of hope. And I pray for scent of water moments to start right now in people's lives. Something new, new starts, new beginnings, new hope and new chapters to originate right now in people lives. And God, we give you all the praise. If you love God this morning, we give you all the glory. Just give Him some praise. Just clap and thank Him for His goodness. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Would you stand to your feet? God bless you. I have loved being with you today. Thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead and hand it back to your pastor this morning. Thank you.